Now, we're very grateful to God for what he's doing. Amen. Let's pray and uh, ask the Lord's presence to be with us as we go into the message. Father, we ask that you speak to our hearts today and give us true revelation from heaven. Your word is light. And that light is the life of man. It's our life. Speak light into our lives today. In Jesus' name, amen. I would like to read from Matthew chapter 7. From verse 20, from, um, just verse 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. Therefore, because of everything that I've told you, therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine, so Jesus titled or called his message from Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, the longest recorded message of the Lord Jesus Christ. He had a lot to say. He had a lot of instructions to give to us. They seem like commandments, but he didn't call them commandments. He called them his saints. And he's saying, if you will do his saying, he will liken you to a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain will come. That's troubles in life. The rain will come. The floods will come. Then the wind will also come and beat on that house. That house is your life. If you do his sins, he considers you a wise person that built your house, your life on the rock. And that rock is the word of God that's holding everything together. Everything together. Your life, my life, the universe, the stars, the suns, all of it, all held together by His Word. That is the true rock. If you find your house on the Word of God, you have nothing to worry about in life. You are going to make it. And you will make it to heaven, no doubt about it. God has, only give, has given us only one commandment. I know we always say two commandments. For the world, it's what, just two commandments. For the believer, it's one commandment. Jesus says, this is my commandment. A new commandment I give to you. His commandment is love one another as I have loved you. That covers the first commandment because... You cannot love your brother, your sister, if you haven't loved God. You can't love your brother the way Jesus loved us without the love of God. It's just impossible. So he has given us a new commandment to love one another as he has loved us. But then what he tells us to do in Matthew chapter 5, chapter 6, and chapter 7, Jesus called his saints. And he said, if you do my sayings, you are a wise man, a wise woman, that's building his or her house on the rock. And the wind will come. But when it's all over, you'll be standing. There's nothing that's going to pull you down. When I saw this, I decided this is what Jesus is saying. You already have the love of God if you are a believer. The love of God lives inside of you. You have the ability to love just like Jesus loved. Because Jesus is living inside of you. Many of us said, come into my heart, Lord Jesus, right? You meant it. He came into your life. He is love. Love lives inside of you. But living out love is what Jesus gave to us in his saints. And we have to follow through with his saints. You have the ability to go through with his saints. He said, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. Not one single dot is going to be taken out of the law until everything is fulfilled. So he fulfilled it for us. So you can follow his saints and have life here on earth and have it more abundantly. So pay attention, close attention to his saints. 
Sometimes we are looking for formula, something to do, give me something to do. Well, this is his formula. If you take his formula to your heart, he's saying, you can never be destroyed, you will never fail, you can never fall. It's simple as that. So we started exploring his, his saying, and the first thing he told us was, do not be angry without a cause. That's primary, number one. And I shared here the, the issue of anger. A lot of Christians, you know, they, 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 you know, you justify being angry. Well, there's, there's, there's anger with a curse, and then there is an anger where there's really no reason for you to be angry. And I said also that the most dangerous problem in the Christian faith, in, with regards to anger and bitterness, that leads to bitterness, an offense is taking an offense that doesn't belong to you. I said that with us. And that's what is killing Christians. You know, one person tells you his story about what's happened to them. You haven't heard the other part. And you side with them and you're angry. But the person didn't offend you. They have no reason to come to you to beg for forgiveness. But you've already taken offense. That's what is destroying Christians today. They're wondering, what's wrong with me? Why don't I feel God? Why am I? Why can't I? Why can't I get along with God? Why is God not revealing? Because you've taken an offense that doesn't belong to you. And the one is not going to come and ask for forgiveness because they didn't offend you. And so we keep it. And then, like I said in previous message, you are in church and you see them, you're angry at them. They didn't offend you. And God says... Oh, you can't do that. And so you stay with that for years and you're hurting. And, and you're running back and forth looking for some anointed preacher to lay their hands on you so that your troubles will go away. Well, you are your problem. Take care of it. I have learned not to take offense when I belong to some other person. I, I said, Pastor, you have to listen to things that are happening. You listen and you do what you have to do. But I don't take it to me because I learned years ago. It was a great man that taught me this thing. I stayed with it. This is killing a lot of Christians. No grace. Then we talked about maintaining sexual purity. Adultery. So important. Don't go there because you'll destroy you. When you go there, you're married. You have no business looking out for another woman. You made up your mind. You chose. God gave you the, the right to choose. You chose your woman. Don't look out. Don't keep looking. I, I heard a, a preacher told me, um, he was saying, good luck. I can tell the man that he's not happy with his wife uh, because when he gets his head, his head doesn't stay still on his shoulders. He's constantly looking, looking back and forth, back and forth. <laughs> There's really no need for that. You're just torturing yourself. And if you go that way, the Bible says every other sin is without the body. Sin, sexual sin, is a sin against your own body. And you'll destroy yourself. There is really no need for that. You prepare yourself beforehand. This is not going to be a part of my life. And I have prepared myself beforehand by the grace of God. That's not going to, I know they talk about pastors doing that. I can tell you now in the name of Jesus. And I'm not depending on me. I'm depending on him. That's not going to be part of my life. I tell you the truth. It will not be part of my life. Amen. That's not going to be part of my life. I'm not boasting. But I've talked to him. And the Bible says, what you commit to him, he is able to keep until that day. I have come. I don't want that. And I mean it from my heart. I don't want that. That's not what I want. I don't want my children going through that kind of trouble. Perfect, better than anybody else. No. But I know the God I serve. And I can commit to him. I don't want that for my life. Amen. Don't want it. Prepare yourself beforehand. Speak it out. Be bold about it. Amen? I don't have to worry about that. I've committed it to him. He, the Bible says he is able to... All that the Father gave to me, what did Jesus say? I've kept till the very end. No one is able to pluck them from my Father's hand. The one who gave them to me, he's greater than all. I've committed to him. Amen? So make your commitment today. That's not going to be part of my life. And God will keep it with you. He is the stronger one. Amen? In that covenant. But today, I want to go on to the first thing that I believe Jesus talked about 
honor your marriage vow. Honor your marriage vow. It's an amazing thing in the United States, and please understand where I'm coming from. Today, over 50% of marriages in the United States end up in divorce. 50%. And, you know, before now, ignorant me, I would say, well, that's for the world. It doesn't happen in the church. It's higher in the church, according to statistics today. So what's happened to us? It's an amazing thing when I hear now. It, it wasn't strange to me previous, before now. But now, when I hear a man has been married for 30 years, I feel like clapping. You do too. Because we're not expecting it to last that long anymore. Okay? Where have we come? We've, we've arrived in a place where we shouldn't arrive. We don't expect it to last anymore. It used to be for life, right? It was no big deal. And his parents, how I many years? 70 years. No big deal for them. It was expected, right? It was expected that you, when you're married, you stay together until you die. It was expected. But now, how long have you been married? Oh, they're proud. 40 years. And we, ooh, 40 years. And you're still together. Wow. We don't expect it anymore. We've reduced the standard. But you see, God has not changed his mind concerning divorce. He hasn't. The world may change, but God will not change. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and uh, 32, it says, Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, but I say to you, he's saying, amen, I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is so divorced commits adultery. Whoa, that's a serious statement. Wow. <laughs> what do you do with that? You're going to tear that page off from the Bible? I don't believe that. Ass. This came out from the mouth of the Master, Jesus. And he said, the words that I speak to you will be your judge in the last days. So, when I was a new Christian, this scripture frightened me. And you know what that does to you? It makes you think, man, I must really wait until I know the woman. You know, this is the way I used to say it in, before I got married. I would lock the woman in the room and make sure I say, speak in tongues, let me hear you. I'm going to be sure she's truly saved. Speak in tongues, woman, please. Before we go to the altar, I got to hear. Because there's no other way in my mind uh, you can know that they're truly saved. I got it. But I found out even tongue-speaking people don't keep that. Still a problem. So what do you do with the scripture like this? You cannot take what God takes seriously and act as if it's not important. It's no big deal. Let's just go. You can't do that. You're talk, dealing with the words that created the universe. You just cannot do something like that and be free from it. Just be free. No. He meant what he said. A lot of believers, young people, please don't you ever do this. Don't prepare your heart for divorce in the future. Don't go have some kind of uh, prenuptial uh, agreement. If it doesn't work, will you prepare yourself for it? No wonder you got so much trouble, troubles coming into your heart. You went into it believing that if it doesn't work, I'll, I'll, I'll take off. I'll just leave. Well, when you do that, you open the, your heart up for Satan to come in. 
You know, when I was in the University of Georgia schooling, we had a, a great Christian group on campus. And we, we, we were, I mean, we loved God. And I knew this uh, one lady. She truly loved the Lord and was excited about God. And then one day we were discussing, I was excited about her because God was using her. I mean, God was using her to get people filled with the Holy Spirit and all of that. And I looked up to her as one of the great girls in our, in our, congreg in our congregation or in our group on campus. She was a college student just like I was at that time. But one day we were talking, I don't know how we got into it, and she said, well, if my husband abused me, I'll divorce him. But the trouble is she didn't have a boyfriend at that point. And I thought, my goodness, you don't even have a, a boyfriend, and you're already preparing your heart to divorce a man if he abuses you. What constitutes abuse? How do you define that? Is it when he looks at you in the way you don't like? Or he yells at you one time, he says, hey, that's it, he's abused me, I'm out. What constitutes abuse? I don't know where she is today, but I can almost tell you, I don't think she'll stay married. That's my feeling. I would like to really research that. I'll probably start calling to find out. Yeah. Because the Bible says, the Bible says, you know, the word of God cannot lie. You know what I mean? The Bible says, uh, Rehoboam did not prepare, or Rehoboam did what was evil in the sight of God because he did not prepare his heart to seek God. You don't prepare yourself for divorce. You prepare yourself when you're getting married, this is it. I've made up my mind. I'm going nowhere, good or bad. That's what you said when you took your vow, good or bad. I'm staying with this till the very end. It was you, your wife, and God. You made a covenant together, and God put you all together. You can't just walk away from it. What about God? He was part of it. Because you're mad and things are not working out for you, you can't just walk away from it. You miss out on grace if you do that. A lot of believers are suffering a lot of casualties in, in, their, in their lives, even after divorce. They're suffering because of their attitude towards this one thing. You can't have this type of value. It's no big deal. You didn't, I'm, I'm just going to get out. You can't do that. Not with the word of God. You just can't do that. The Bible tells us God hates divorce. He hates it. You know why? I used to wonder, well, he hates divorce? Yeah, God hates divorce. Well, because of what it does to the individual that's in the divorce. It's such a painful thing. I've talked to them. It's painful. It stays with them. I used to, in those days, before I got married, we go, I go to a single group, you know, or in church, I meet somebody new, and uh, they'll say, my name is Clara, and I'm divorced. I said, well, I didn't ask for that information. <laughs> Why are you giving me that? Because it stands in their head constantly. They're constantly thinking about it. It goes deep into your spirit. You can let go of it. That's become their identity. So my name is Clara. The next thing, I'm divorced. I don't want to know if you're divorced. But it's, I can understand why it comes out of them because it's something that's taking over their lives. It's serious business. Serious business. You can't just treat it that way. It's serious business. God hates it because of what it does. You can imagine. I've seen, you know, you, people who are into this, they don't, they don't consider what's, happen, what's going to happen to the kids. They're only concerned about themselves. They're very selfish. They're going through difficulties in their home. They've made up their minds. They don't consider the kids. The kids are afraid. They can't sleep well. They didn't ask for it. You caused it. You came together. You made the decision. Now you got the kids in it. And they can say, what to you about what's going to happen? That's evil. That's evil. That's why God hates this thing. I knew of a kid. He acted up and I was wondering, what, what happened to you? Why is he acting up so badly? And he, he knew I was nice to him, so he finally cornered me and says, Well, I'm I'm just I'm just it's not you. I'm just I'm just I'm just really upset, you know. And this been a while. 
he said, you know, my mom is in California. She is trying to be an actress. My father is here. And, uh, but uh, they, they divorced. And he won't tell me more. So I knew what the problem. You know, a few weeks later, he was dead. He committed suicide. Killed himself. I had to go to a funeral and see a young man. I couldn't stand it. Why? No other reason. Because of the parents. Selfish people. She wanted to be an actress. She took off. And now this poor little boy who knew nothing, didn't ask to be in this thing. Now he's got to deal with it and then destroy his own life because of some selfish people. Divorce, sometimes, not all the times, I don't know the reasons. It's very individualistic. It's, it depends on what's happening in the person's life. But for the most part, it's selfish. It's really selfish. It's, I don't feel good. I'm not treated right. It's all about me, 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 me. But you don't consider the kids. They were not there with you when you took, took your marriage vow. And now you brought them in and now their life's destroyed because of what's, what's happened in your own life. You're more of a kid than they are. You can't resolve the issues. You're not willing. Hardness of heart. You're not willing. I know it's almost, it's almost, you got to the place now, it's almost like it's accepted, okay? Your divorce is okay. What about it? It's not okay. It's really not okay. It's really not okay. You can treat it this way. I feel free, you know, <laughs> to share my heart with people. You see, I'm not into in, in this business of preaching for any reason, just to please him. That's important to me. So, offense, no offense, is it, no issue for me. Because I have only one person to please. And once I've done what pleases him, he's going to take care of me and my family. So that's what is important. God hates this time. God gave you the right to choose your mate. You were given that right once, according to his word. And if you really follow what Jesus said, you marry again... You're committing adultery. And I used to wonder, okay, God, what are you going to do with this then? If, am I going to live my life committing adultery that was supposed to be my wife? But those are, not, those are not my words. Proverbs 18, verse 22. He who finds a wife finds a good thing and obtains favor from the Lord. Now, when you get married, especially young people, when you get married... In, as, as soon as you get back home, your honeymoon, okay, begin to ask God, where is the favor? Amen. <laughs> where is the favor? Look, he who finds a wife finds a good thing. Amen. Oh, God, where is the favor? When I got married to my wife, I knew this, that scripture very well. And uh, as soon as we got married, I said, man, here comes favor. I'm telling you, she's walking down the aisle towards me. All of this favor that I've been missing in my life, here it comes. Favor! Favor! And you get back home, oh Lord, where is the favor? I need that favor. But you know the word of God will not be spoken in vain. Amen? I got favor. Amen? <laughs> I do have favor. It's favor from the Lord. Instead of fighting and looking for your the differences, incompatibilities, and all of why don't you look for favor? Did God say you should go in and start looking for incompatibility? We're not compatible, so we gotta go our separate ways and all of why didn't you know that from the first time? Before you got married. You did it, right? I told my kids you can't date until you get to college. You're still, your brain is not well developed yet to know this which one asking. <laughs> and if you if you bring a guy home before you get to college, I'll break his legs. Not kidding. <laughs> and then repent later for my forgiveness. I even offer to take him to the hospital. Help him out. So you look for the favor that God has promised to give to you when you get a, a woman into your life. Because this is a very sacred thing. 
You see, Adam's, God said of Adam, it's not good. You know, when God created everything, Tim, he said it was very good, right? But then he took one look at Adam and said, hmm, he doesn't look good. He looks miserable. He needs a woman. <laughs> He's not complete. God said it wasn't good. So he brought them together to complete the man for an unusual favor upon their lives. And when you seek to just break that and go a separate way, guess what? You're breaking away from favor. You're breaking away from favor. That's why some people get married. And you see, they get married, they go out, get married again. <laughs> they think it will work. And then they find out that this new guy just looks like the old one. Talks like him, acts like him. I'm out of here. They're looking. It, 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 doesn't, it can't work. Until you fully understand the principle. I always look for principles from the word of God. Principles to live by. Let me ask you this. If God knew from the start. And you know the Bible says Jesus Christ is what? The same yesterday, today and forever. God says, I am the Lord, I change not. So, well, if God doesn't change, how come he allowed divorce in the Old Testament? Have you thought about that? Did he change his mind in the New Testament? He became a new God in the New Testament? How did he allow it in the Old Testament? You look, if you see, look at the Matthew chapter 5, verse 3, I mean, chapter 19, verse 3 through 6. It says, the Pharisees also came to him, testing him and saying to him, Is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for just any reason? They had heard about this new preacher that's in town doing all great, all kinds of miracles. This young prophet doing all kinds of miracles and he had spoken some things against divorce and they wanted to know so they came testing him and then they to, to find out what he will say about it and to 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 bring him against the establishment for what he had to say is it okay to divorce your wife for just any reason and that's exactly what they were doing they were divorcing their wives for whatever reason they bring the woman in and if she cooks the food and she added too much salt in it they get mad and say well, you, the food didn't taste good here is the certificate of divorce and you're out of here and God is how could you treat a human person this way God created a person and that's a woman that's a human being for whom Jesus died that's somebody God created how can you treat a person this way? Just write something and let them go. And so they were asking Jesus, can you divorce your wife for just any reason? He said, no, you can do it. He said to them, have you not read that he who made them at the beginning made them male and female? And said, for this reason a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. And the two shall become one flesh. So they are one flesh in the mind of God. They are one being, one person. So then they are no longer two. The way God sees it, we see two individuals. God doesn't see two. Not in a marriage setting. He sees, now he knows they are individuals, but they are together. They are one. That's why if a man and his wife, they are constantly fighting, that home is never going to be blessed. I guarantee you. God sees confusion. And God is not the author of confusion. It's always better for a man and the wife to be in agreement what to do. Once you are in disagreement, one wants this, the other one wants something else. God says, I don't know what you guys want. He says in verse 6, So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore what God has joined together, let not man separate. So it's God that put them together. 
You cannot separate what God put together. God takes us back to the beginning. He didn't allow this. So what the people did in verse 7 and 8, this is what they said. Then they said to him, Why then did Moses command to give a certificate of the work? Well, Moses was a great prophet. He was the one that commanded, that was Moses' commandment, commanded the people that they give a certificate of divorce. And to put her away. Moses gave us the right to do that. They wanted to justify it. We have a right based on the word of God from Moses to do this. But Jesus took them to the beginning. He said, he said to them, Moses... Not God. Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, permitted you to divorce your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. Hardness of heart. That's why God permitted it in the Old Testament. You see, God is a loving God. God is a gracious God. He loves people. He understands people. You see, we always look at things from the outside. But God looks at the heart. He knows what is happening in the heart. We still have people today that have hard hearts. Christians and non-Christians. Some men and some women are married to a partner that has a hard heart towards God. God allowed it for that reason. I've always wondered when I saw uh, when, in those days and I see a man who had been divorced some years before and is remarried again and I see God doing some great things in their lives. It used to bother me. I said, wow, God's doing something through this guy. How come? He's divorced and if he's married, he's committing adultery the way I read my scriptures. So how God can be using, he bothered me. But I believe God is giving some revelation. Some years back, when I was in A&M, I spent about three days fasting and praying, God, you've got to give me understanding about this divorce issue. I'm confused. And I think God is showing me, giving me some understanding about this thing. In some situations, people are still married to a Christian who has a hard heart. I've heard as a pastor of painful things. A man married to his wife, he sleeps in one room and she sleeps in the other room and they have been doing this for more than two, three years. And they call themselves married. Separated and staying in the home. And they call that a marriage? I don't think so. They are not divorced, but in the mind of God, there is nothing there. There is no union. Maybe in a situation like that, one of them is willing, but the other one is hard-hearted. He is not willing. Or she is not willing. They have made up their minds. I think that's unjust. And God knows. We look at things from the outside. God looks at the heart. In such situations, eventually, the other person is just totally worn out. They don't know what to do. They make up their mind. I would rather have life. And this is death. Living in this situation. This is death. Because the other person is not willing. Hardness of heart. In my view today, I don't plan any divorce, but I am bold because I believe what God is showing me is the truth. Let me tell you a story, a funny story. You know, what I'm talking about is not a topic ministers want to preach about. Man, you don't want to go there. Because there's all kinds of confusion and misunderstanding in this whole situation. And so people ignore it and just keep going without knowledge. But you need to understand the truth about God's word. I heard a story in those days, you know, when you don't mention divorce. And some of these stories are t horrible that I read, you know. 
a woman living with an abusive husband who goes to church and he calls himself a Christian. He drinks, he gets drunk, he gets back and beats his wife and beats the kids. But on Sunday, he's glorying to God in church. Hypocrite. He destroys his home. But the woman is not able to leave. Eventually, he takes her life in anger. And all the while, pastor has been saying to her, Just be calm. Be praying. The Lord will deliver you. Yes. But he's going nuts. I'm going to share something with you today, okay? This is me. From the world, what I believe God is showing me. Just to have peace in this matter. So we understand where to go. The story I started, there's a young man. Before he got saved. From a very wealthy family. Found this beautiful lady in town. That she was the town's whore. He didn't know that. He was so innocent and got married to her. And everybody was laughing because she didn't quit after they got married. She continued doing what she was doing. And then all of a sudden, she took off and left. He was devastated. One day in the restaurant, he, somebody met Haisha wife. He started, he was weeping. He was really hurt by this woman. He was saved by this woman leaving. And, and, and they was, they, the guys tried to explain, you don't need to cry about her. Let her go. She's horrible for you. You are such a decent person. He didn't understand any of that. But then he got saved and went to church and was just worshiping God with all of his heart. He was divorced now because the woman took off. And, and he started playing keyboards in the church and leading praise and worship. And all of a sudden, uh, a, a young lady that he really liked in high school came in and, and she could sing. And they started ministering together and the Lord was moving. And then they got the inspiration to get together. They wanted to get married. And they went to the Pentecostal pastor who believed once you're divorced, that's it. You're cooked up. It's all over. And he said, they said, we want to get married. He said, no, that's never going to happen. You can never get married again. You just stay stuck up for the rest of your life. Okay, it's over. You can never get married again. And so uh, they stayed, they didn't understand it, but they just stayed with pastor and worked with pastor. In those days, people don't get mad and live for the another church. So they find a pastor that would do it. <laughs> These days, this was happened. They stayed, they stayed, they stayed. And then uh, pastor got another assignment and was moved out of town. And then a new pastor came into town and... and uh, started ministering in this church and saw this couple ministering together and he really liked the couple you single you're single what's going on here and uh, one day they came to him and said we want to get married he didn't know anything about their past he's like what have you been waiting for how do it for you the other pastor was out of town and he married them and they continued in their ministry and things were going well for the church and then something happened again and this new pastor got moved away and they brought the old pastor in to minister. And when he got back, he was shocked to find out they're married. Oh no. Sin of all sins. He's all over. So he allowed them to minister because he needed uh, music ministers just like I need them. <laughs> he needed music ministers and so they played in his church and all of that. But he was sure they were going to hell because they had done this. He was sure this is not where they're going to hell. But he allowed them to minister in his church, you know, help. <laughs> then an unusual thing happened. In those days, to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, we fasted and prayed, right, Tim? We sought the Holy Spirit. So one day he called people up to pray for them to receive the Holy Spirit. And in those days, the men prayed for the men. And the women prayed for the women, okay? And, and he was praying for this man. And uh, the wife was praying for, for his wife. And as far as he was concerned, they were both going to hell. And all of a sudden, she, he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. 
And at the same time, while the wife was praying for the wife, the pastor's wife was praying for the wife, she got filled with the Holy Spirit as well. And pastor became very confused. Because people going to hell never received the Holy Spirit as far as he was concerned. What happened here? God, you made a mistake. What's going on? So he went on a quest. He started to, to try to find out what really happened. He had asked all kinds of questions, but no answer. So he was talking to a young minister who didn't want to deal with this issue either because it was a hot-button issue. He was not going to deal with it. And uh, he said, let me tell you something. An unusual thing happened in my church. You see, those two guys, they are divorced and they got married. I mean, he's divorced and they got married. And I was praying for the man. And all of a sudden, God filled him with the Holy Ghost. Can you believe that? And at the same time, the wife received the Holy Ghost as well. Wow. He said, what do you think this is? The young preacher said, I don't know. He didn't want to deal with it. The young preacher was the one writing the story. He said, I didn't want to. He said, I knew what I believed, but I didn't want to deal with it. I'm young and I will get in a fight. <laughs> so the elderly preacher sat there. He thought for a while. He was quiet, really pensive, thought for a while. He says, you know, young preacher, I think I know why God is doing this. I know why he baptized them with the Holy Spirit. Did you know? Yeah. I know now. I think I understand. You see, God knows that they are going to hell. So to help them have a little fun while they are not, he gave them the Holy Spirit for some time. <laughs> he gave them the Holy Spirit for some time just to have fun on earth. And this is the only, this is the best they can have here before they go. True story. That's what's happening in the church today. We're all confused. But notice, Jesus said, Moses gave you permission to divorce your wife because of the hardness of her. Today, among Christians, born-again Christians, husband and wife, sometimes you meet what they are really stubborn. They won't listen to anybody. They don't want to go to counselor. They do crazy things, abuse the wife, use drugs, all kinds of things going on. But they still go to church on Sunday. So pastor says, you just stay there. The, the guy is deep into pornography. It doesn't matter as long as he's... Do you have evidence that he's been with another woman? No. Well, you can't divorce. And so we have a lot of bondage in the church, a lot of pain going on. But in my mind, what's happening is this. Paul had an answer to this. In my mind, I believe, just like the prophets and, and the, the prophets in the Old Testament explained what Moses had to say, the epistles, as well as the writings of the apostles, explained to us what Jesus was saying. God, does, he looks at the heart and he knows what's going on in the man's heart. He knows when you are being wicked towards your wife, and he knows when you are being nice towards her or you've been wicked towards your husband he knows what's going on so the, in first corinthians chapter 7 verse 12 through 15 this is what paul said but to the rest i not the lord say if any brother has a wife who does not believe does not believe and she is willing to live with him let him not divorce her meaning if she's not willing to live with him he has a right to divorce him. How many agree with that? But that seems to contradict what Jesus said. How can Paul say that to us? That will be putting his own salvation in jeopardy, right? But Paul will not put his life again, uh, you know, on the line, his, his salvation on the line for your unwillingness to stay in your marriage. He's even giving us the truth of the Word of God. He says, I say, but to the rest, I, not the Lord, say. Just like Moses said, because of the hardness of heart. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
He said, if he's an unbelieving husband, if he's, not, if he's willing to stay, then let him stay. But if he's not willing to stay, divorce him. That's what he said, right? And a woman who has a husband who does not believe, if he is willing to live with her, let her not divorce him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband. Otherwise, your children will be unclean. That's what I said before. Because you are both believers, the children are clean, but now they are holy, he says. So your children are holy because you believe you are a believer. Verse 15, but if the unbeliever departs, let him depart. A brother or a sister is not under bondage in such cases. But God has called us to peace. God has called us to peace. Notice what Paul says, they can go if they want to go. The ruling thing is peace. Let the peace of God, God rule your heart. That's what it says. That's why God always talk about peace and shalom upon believers. Then it says here in the world, they are not under bondage. What does that mean, not under bondage? Meaning there is no longer a covenant. The covenant doesn't exist. If he decides he wants to leave, let him leave. Now, a lot of people will say, well, she can, he can leave and she can stay that way and not get married. That's the way. Let him go. But you, your young woman, just stay until Jesus returns. Well, let me ask you this, and I'm being very... You compare spiritual things with spiritual things. Look at what the Bible says. It says, if you are a young widow, Paul said, don't allow a young widow to remain unmarried. He says, because if you let them, they will become wanton, they will become silly, and they will be they'll ride and lost, and then they'll sin against God. He says, so if you're a young widow, you are not permitted to stay unmarried. You get... Find yourself a husband. Because if you're not, you're going to be suffering in loss. It's better to marry than to burn. You remember that scripture? <laughs> it's better to marry than to burn. So I give you permission. You get married. But now, if a, man, if a man leaves his young wife, and she's alone, now let's reason together. Is she not in the same place as the young widow? It's just because one is dead, that makes it different. They're both people, right? They both will have feelings, right? So you allow the young widow because the man is dead. She has feelings, okay, you can go and get married. But then you let go of the one young woman whose husband left. And then she has to stay that way and suffer. I don't think that's right. And that's not my feeling. That's what Paul is saying here. That woman is not in bondage. The covenant is broken. I can speak boldly from the word of God. So Moses permitted them. And you can read through that place. Paul, permit, Paul said this, and he won't put his salvation on the line for anybody, but he wants people to have peace in God. He, we need peace from the Lord. Many times, you know, you have a man in the house of God, in the, in the house of God, married people. And as a pastor, you hear that. He says, if the brother is not willing, right? Now, just because he has accepted Christ as his Savior, we believe he's a brother, right? If he's not willing, he's wi he can go. If he's willing, he can stay. But if he's not willing, the Bible says, let him go. You are not in bondage to that. The, the whole thing doesn't work. But now, when we're dealing with a believer, because he talked about unbelievers, now when we're dealing with believers, we think it's a different thing. So if he's a believer, he goes to church on Sunday, but smokes marijuana at home every night, he's okay. It doesn't matter. He still goes to church, so he's willing to be in the marriage. Well, if you are willing to be in the marriage, why are you smoking marijuana when your wife doesn't like it? If you are really willing to stay in the marriage, why are you getting drunk and coming back because you go to church and you say, Thank you, Jesus, on Sunday morning, and then you come back, you're beating on the kids. And no, you, you are acting as somebody that's out of control, but you go to church. And so, because of that, the believer should stay in the marriage and go nowhere. And if you decide to go, you talk up, there's nothing you can do. You can get married again. That's evil. 
Something has to be done. You see, man will look at the outward, but God looks at the heart. He knows. You know, sometimes Christians are so evil the way they're thinking, you can't divorce me, so I'll stay in the house and do whatever I like. When God sees it, God sees it. And, you know, the only thing that we allow is uh, 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 fornication or adultery. But I guarantee you, when the man is living like that or the woman is living like that evil, guess what's happened? You may not be able to know it, but if he's spending a lot of time with pornography, do you go with him everywhere he goes? How do you know? This is what Jesus told us. He said, if you're... your brother sins against you, okay? Go to him and tell him what he's done wrong, right? If he doesn't agree and he doesn't repent, he said to take two other people with him, with you, and go talk to him, right? And tell him, you know, listen, in this two, the presence of these two witnesses. And he says, if he doesn't listen, what is it to do next? Take, take the pastor, take the church to them, to him. And if he won't listen to the church, what did Jesus say to make him? He's an unbeliever. According to the word of Jesus. Many times you have homes, the pastor talks to the husband, you got to stop this, he's not willing. The church talks, he's not willing. (laughs) He's an unbeliever. As far as I'm concerned, he's an unbeliever. And not only an unbeliever, an unbeliever who is not willing. Amen? And according to the word of God, according to the words of Paul, and he's in the Bible, he says, kick that fellow out of the house. Let him go. Let him go. If they want to go, let them go. If they're willing to have this thing, they're going to separate, let them go. According, God has called us to peace. That's what the Bible says. You can have peace and have grace in your life. But the major thing that I'm seeing in the church is people have just assumed, well, I'll just let go. You can't have that kind of attitude towards this matter. It's a very serious matter. Question is, can divorce make you fall short of God's grace? Yes, absolutely. You may never know how to get back where you were before. And you will never go up again. Even though you were right. Many believers have been, they have gone into divorce and they're out of it. And, and they think, okay, it's going to be, well, I wasn't wrong and all of that. No, this is serious matter. You need to go to God and deal with the matter. Remember what Jesus said. He said, what God has joined together, let not man put asunder. If there is only one that can put this thing asunder... He's the one who joined it together. Not you. You are man. Take the matter to your God. Amen. Before you do anything. Before you do anything. Take the matter to your God. Take it to your pastor. Pray about it. Fast. Do whatever you can. Make sure that God is in it. He was with you when you got married. Right? Now let him be a part of what's going on here. Let him know that this person is unwilling and you are willing, but the other person is not willing before you do anything. But to just say, well, I'm right. I'm just going to walk out of it. You'll miss out on his grace. And for years, you won't know why you're not, you're not feeling anything from God. You don't know why things are difficult, why finances are hurting, and you hear the messages from the word of God. You don't understand anything. You're constantly a baby. It's because you divorce. You married again, maybe not. You haven't taken this thing. He's, this is God's heart. He hates it. And you got to approach it the same way you approached when you uh, approached God when you did something else wrong. Maybe you committed murder. You go to God and ask for forgiveness. You're just not going to say, well, I was wrong. They came in and I had to kill them. You can't do that. You, you repent and ask God for forgiveness. So you can actually miss out on the grace of God when you do this. And guess what? It also affects the kids. It goes down the line. Notice kids that come from home that where they, you know, they are divorced, most likely in life. And you can study it. When they get old and they get married, guess what happens? They repeat the same thing. Because 
there is you have opened the door for an evil spirit to come into your family and into your lineage the way to defeat it is to ask truly for forgiveness from god not from the person god god this was wrong and god give me a second chance amen i'll try to do my best this time now let me conclude with this if you have trouble with the message jesus met a man i mean a woman at the well remember that jesus was the one who said if you married once and you divorce you married to the other one that's not your husband you're committing adultery right he said that but to the woman of the well he said to her you're right you have been married how many times five times he considered every single marriage a marriage right he said you have been married five times and the one that you're living with now is not your husband if she was married to the man and he would have said you are now living with your sixth husband he acknowledged every marriage that she had been through that's that's why the word of god is a mystery you understand what i'm saying you have to let god give you revelation but my point is if you have been in divorce your kids are vulnerable to whatever happened there your life your christian life may be in problem because of that you need to take this matter to god and get healed and you can do that this morning so that that will not be a part of your children's life and you can be healed and be able to do business with god divorce is not sin against the holy spirit amen <laughs> but you have to go to hell but you can change and come to god but for those of you that are married and never been in this hate this thing with a passion because if you consider it in any way you open the door for demons to come into your marriage and they'll do whatever it takes just as you ask jesus into your life by saying words right that's what you do when you open your mouth you're angry and you say to your mate i'm going to divorce you well you said that the devil heard it you made your confession you opened the door they have the right to walk in your home they'll work on your finances until you decide this is not good they'll work on your relationship what's happening in your home on your kids until you're totally destroyed the marriage is destroyed you can be healed this morning if you let God, would you stand up with me? God is giving more grace. The Bible says, out of his fullness have we all received grace upon grace. It is the grace of God. There could be a cloud hanging over your head where you're going round and round in the wilderness because of divorce and your kids are also part of it you could get healed this morning i would like the children that have been affected by divorce i want to pray for you would you all come here come up here and let god show you grace It's a very tough thing. This thing is painful. Sometimes it lasts for a very, very long time. <coughs> it never goes away. Yeah. If you're pained by children who have to go through this, it's very tough on them. That's why I know God doesn't like it. My advice to you is please don't judge your parents. You don't know their situation. You don't know what happened there. Leave it to him. He knows. If you judge your parents, you will pay the same price. It will continue. 
I know this principle. Don't judge your parents. Don't take sides. Pray for them. So that the curse is completely broken. Most, there's no husband, no wife that goes into marriage wanting to get to just walk away. The enemy came in. Jesus said it was the enemy that did it. If you have been affected by divorce or you divorced yourself, remarried, you need to come up here. I need you up here so that God can finish his work in your life. And give you peace. It could be for this one reason. No understanding. It's always hanging on your head. There is therefore now no condemnation to them who are in Christ Jesus. God will heal you this morning. That's the purpose for this message. Not for condemnation, but for healing. So that the future is bright for you. And this, <clears throat> this thing is not repeated. But like I said, children, you don't want to blame your parents. Don't take sides. It's so easy to take sides. You don't know what really happened. Let that alone. Just let go of it. Forget it. That's not your business. Face your own business. And for those that have been affected by it, uh, you need to forgive your husband or your wife and uh, move on from now. Let God turn the page for you. A new day has done. We're going to be praying for you. <clears throat> and I'm going to let you know that as a servant of God, I believe God. When you prayed for today, all of the influence of this thing from the past, the blood of Jesus will wipe everything away. This is a new day. This is a new day. And for the kids, God will bring you into a new day where he will begin to show his grace upon your life. Irina, Andy, uh, Pastor Wes, uh, Angela, please. I need you all to anoint this with all as we pray for you. If there is any hard feeling, please forgive. It's not worth it. This is a new day. And carry on with your new relationship and let God heal past. He is the one that can heal the past and give you a new day. There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. What you're doing today by coming out, he says, I want to walk by the spirit. I want to be received. I want my forgiveness. I want to move on. If you do this with an open heart, a new day will dawn in your life. God will begin to do something different. In great understanding. Let's pray. Let's pray. Father God, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for these that are standing before you today. I know, Lord God, that they are forgiven. And for these uh, children, Lord God, I pray for them that the influence, the, the effect of this thing will never be upon their lives. Lord, that they will be totally cut off from this thing and be welcomed into your presence with fullness of grace in the name of Jesus. God, I pray for those that have been involved in this. Lord, I know that you do not condemn them. Lord, you allow them into your kingdom. Lord, let more grace be made available to their lives today in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Free us from every bondage. Free us. In the name of Jesus, to be truly free. He who the Son makes free, is free indeed. Lord, we receive the freedom. We will do your same. We commit to you to do your same. In the name of Jesus, release us from every bondage today. In Jesus' name. And uphold us, O God, with your free spirit. In Jesus' name. Now, for the rest of the congregation, if you, if you want to make a commitment to God that divorce will never be a part of your life, just raise your hands up to the Lord. You're making a commitment that this is it. I'm staying in this. This is my life. I'll stay with my husband. I'll stay with my wife. I will obey God. I will do Jesus' saints because I am his child. Lord, we commit our lives to you today. On this Valentine's Day, Lord God, 
we commit to you to love God and to love our spouses in the name of Jesus. And for the young people, Lord, we commit to you to remain married once you've given us that privilege to make our choice to be with a partner for the rest of our lives. We commit to you, God. You will keep us in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Strengthen our marriages in the name of Jesus. Give us that spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Help us in our individual homes, in our marriages, to know what is right, to do what is right in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. You know, the Bible tells us in Numbers chapter 6, it says to Aaron, this is the way to bless the children of God. And so I want to obey that and I will bless you in His name as we, we dismiss today. And the grace of God be with you. Please don't feel condemned. This is not a message for you to feel condemned. It's for you to know the truth and be free. Remember what the Word of God says, and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free. So you're free today. May the, bow your heads as we pray. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up His countenance upon you and give you peace. In Jesus' name. And God's people said, Amen. God bless you. We'll see you on Wednesday.